Welcome to Walking in Faith with Pastor Rob Currington. This podcast is dedicated to helping develop lifelong seekers of the Kingdom of God. Each week, Pastor Rob helps bring God's message for living to those seeking a richer and more Christ-filled life. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he shares this week's message. Well, good morning. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to 1 Peter chapter 1 as we talk about a privileged elect. A privileged elect. 1 Peter chapter 1, as we move our way to verses 10 through 12, three small little verses there. I want to talk about privilege. Privilege. There's much discussion today about that word privilege and what it means. Economic privilege, social privilege, race privilege, gender privilege, and so on and so forth. It is a topic, that of privilege, that can divide nations, communities, and even families. The fact is that privilege does exist, and we must understand that, and exist in many forms, and that it seems unfair and undemocratic at times, but yet it does exist. As believers in Christ, I should say, we should do all that we can to help uphold that despite any privilege that may be attached to us as individually or corporately as, as a body, we are united under Christ as one body. As we come through those doors, uh, any type of privilege outside of that which is found in Christ that we're going to talk about should be shed. As we come together to worship and serve, we are all considered children and servants of God seeking to build each other up. In our study through 1 Peter, we are learning how to handle suffering with hope and joy so that we may show others the generous love of Jesus. It is our deep desire to bring God glory and to invite others to join us in worship of the Almighty Creator. Last week we learned that we are commanded to rejoice in trials, uh, excuse me, trials, because trials strengthen our faith in God who promises to reward all those who will put their trust in Him. Live a joy-filled life. We concluded that suffering is a purifying fire that deepens our faith in God. Suffering, or more specifically, how you and I as Christians respond to suffering validates our salvation. In today's passage, the subject of Peter's address is the great privilege of experiencing the promised salvation that was prophesied by the prophets of old. So with that, take your attention to your Bibles or to the monitors as we read 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 to 12. He writes, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit in Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which the angels long to look. Father, privilege is a word that many times are fighting words. But I would like to take us all just down to moment to realize there is a privilege, one in which we must glory 
give glory to you, but also glory in. A privilege that we here stand in a unique time in which we are recipients of those who've gone before us, those who served us by sharing with us the gospel. Open up our minds and hearts to this truth. And then as we consider this privilege, then help us to understand what's the responsibility of those that are privileged. Open our hearts to your word. Let us differentiate between uh, your word and your truth and my mere opinion. May May they come close, but Lord, give us discernment. And I pray that you would have your work done and that we would all respond to the Holy Spirit's work as we go through. In your name we pray. Amen. Peter is continuing here his great doxology on the mercy of God. This passage deals with the great mercy that God has shown us by calling us, by choosing us, by empowering and guarding us for an eternal inheritance. That salvation that we're talking about concerning this salvation, Peter writes. This mercy should drive us to be filled with joy in life full of troubles and testings and temptations. As exiled children living in a world hostile to our faith. The outcome of our faith we see from last week is a new hope that allows the Christian to stand in joy, even in grief. And I praise God that maybe some of you were strengthened, maybe even from last week, is that you faced Monday through Friday, Saturday this week, that you found that joy in the midst of some trials and tribulations. I pray that this past week that God has strengthened you and that he'll continue to see that joy in the midst of suffering leads others to praise God and to see him for who he is. Peter now is going to call them to consider the privilege of living in this present age where the promises of salvation have been fully or not have fully, but have been realized. A God who loves sinners demonstrated that love by sending his son Jesus to pay the penalty of our sin and to earn our righteousness. Now we have seen that salvation will be fully consummated in the future. That is still our great hope. However, it was promised and prophesied in the past. Believers in Christ today, you and I, represent the fulfillment of those promises and prophecies that were given to Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. And it is a great privilege that you and I need to see, and even to the original readers of Peter's letter, that it has been a privilege to be born in such a time. So I have three questions. The first one, what is the privilege? What is the privilege we're talking about? Well, the privilege is simply the gospel. The fact that, yes, as men and women, we are, we are sinners, but yet Christ has redeemed us. It's the promise that God will deliver his children from the penalty and the power and the presence of sin. It is the promise of reconciliation that began immediately after our first parents, Adam and Eve, rebelled against God, the Creator. The gospel was first given in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, that we learned some time ago. When God promised, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring, and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Immediately after the fall, God promises that a Savior will come to redeem his people from surely the death they faced when they rebelled against him. And as we worked our way through the story of redemption found in the Old Testament, God reveals that a Savior will come through the physical line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He promises that he will provide a substitute to pay the penalty of our sin, 
Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to Romans chapter 5. And like to, for us to see that very clearly, what the privilege is. It is the gospel. It is the good news that God is reconciling man to God. In Romans chapter 5, and look at verse 12, and then we'll skip to verse 17. But it says in Romans chapter 5, for those who are there, he says, Just as sin came into the world through one man, speaking of Adam, and death through sin. So we see there's a progression. Because Adam's sin, death came through that sin. And so death spread to all men because all sin. Look at verse 17. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and free gift of righteousness reign in life through that one man, Jesus Christ. Verse 18. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, and here's the gospel, so by one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. And if we were to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we here we see the results of what Jesus accomplished. For in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creature, a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, a big word of meaning he made it into balance. That is, in Christ, verse 19, was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And entrusting to us that message. Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. And we implore you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. That is the good news. That is the invitation. The command. For our sake in verse 21 of 2 Corinthians 5. He made him to be sin. Who knew no sin. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That is the privilege. We have seen that come to be. We are in the aftermath of the cross we are not looking for it to happen it is something that has been accomplished for us Paul writes that salvation was not only for the Jews the, ch the children of, of Abraham Isaac and Jacob but after the cross we see that the Gentiles also became heirs of the promise as Paul would write if you are Christ then you are Abraham's offspring heirs according to the promise he goes on to tell the church of Ephesians that, or Ephesus that the mystery is this, is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ through the gospel. You and I now stand at a time is that the privilege of receiving salvation as Gentiles. And this should lead to a greater joy, for we are included as children of Abraham. The promise of a Redeemer is in us. And because of that, we today stand in a privileged state of receiving what many never truly fully experienced as they looked forward to it, but never saw it. So the privilege is that of living in the gospel and looking at the time that our sin has been forgiven. It has been accomplished. As Jesus said, it is finished. Well, why is the fulfillment of salvation? Why is that fulfillment of salvation a privilege to the readers of 1 Peter and today? Why, is, why are we called privileged? Why are we called to those that are greater in that regard? 
Well, the original readers of 1 Peter, the elect exiles in Asia Minor, they were recipients of the gospel as well as most of the Roman Empire in that today, of that day and as we are today. We are now delivered from the penalty and the power of sin. You see, our hope has been realized. Yes, there is a future and final realization of the deliverance of the presence of sin and that inheritance that is being kept for us at the second of coming of Christ. But now you and I have a greater measure of salvation than those that lived before. For they looked for it. We are now living in it. You see, we must remember that the gospel came to the original readers of 1 Peter and to us through many different people and means. And I want to take a moment and look at that as Peter tells us. The first thing we need to recognize is of the prophets. The gospel came to us through the prophets. The prophets and those that followed them did not fully grasp the Holy Spirit's promises and predictions. The prophets hoped to see the promise fulfilled, but they never saw it in their day. They desired to know about the person of the Messiah we see here in 1 Peter, and they wanted to understand when would he come? What's the timing of the Messiah? What's the timing of the Christ? It says here in 1 Peter that they searched, they examined, and they inquired. They were preoccupied with the God's promise of salvation through grace alone, by faith alone. It can be hard for us to understand, but the prophets did not always fully understand what the Holy Spirit gave them. We see this in two examples in Daniel. When Daniel, I, says, when I, Daniel, had seen the vision, I sought to understand it. Have you ever been given something to read and say, what in the world does this mean? What am I supposed to gather from this? Or hear someone tell you something, you're like, what? Well, Daniel had that as writing the words of Scripture. He also said, I heard, but I did not understand. Then I said, O Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? And he said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. So many times as they said, transcribes the words of the angels and the Holy Spirit, they didn't fully grasp the meaning of the Messiah. Peter reminds us that though the prophets received the promises and that they relayed them to the people of Israel, they never saw the Messiah. Though God gave them grace, they did not see all of its benefits that came with Christ. Now they're saved just as we are, through Christ alone, through faith alone, by grace alone. But that was based on the future work of Christ, whereas you can look, we, we can look back and say that it is finished. Peter tells us these men searched and inquired diligently about the details of the coming Messiah the Savior, the Redeemer. They were curious about who the Messiah would be. What type of man would he be? When would he come? We see this as an example in Luke. If you take your Bible and turn to Luke, the third gospel, Luke chapter 2, verse 25, as you turn there, we're introduced to a man who encounters Jesus as he's brought to the temple by Mary and Joseph soon after the birth of Jesus to come to do the rites of purification. And in here we see a man who, though not necessarily a prophet, is a man who has served God and is diligently looking for that promised Redeemer. His hope is, is it here? Is it ready? Look at verse chapter 2 of Luke. Look at verse 25. Scripture tells us there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout. And look at this, waiting for the consolation of Israel and that the Holy Spirit was upon him. 
and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Talking about a man of privilege. He was looking, inquiring, wondering when it's going to be, and the Holy Spirit comes and says, don't worry, it's almost here. You will not die until you see him. And he came in the Spirit, in verse 27, to the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do to him according to the custom law, at Simeon took him up in his arms, and he blessed God. And he said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in what? Peace, according to your word. Look at verse 30. For my eyes have seen your salvation. A lifetime spent inquiring and searching. And God says, you will see him. Look at verse 31, that you have prepared in the presence of all your people a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for your glory and to your people Israel. Here we get a glimpse in the New Testament of someone who lived before the cross in their heart. Blessed be the salvation of the Lord. And as we think of Jeremiah and Isaiah, Daniel, we think of Ezekiel and even Elijah Elisha, David himself, who wrote many of the Psalms, looking forward to that final day, that promise of Abraham, that promise given to Adam and Eve. Seth, uh, the, the, the third son that's listed there to Adam and Eve, grabs that promise and then continues to share with it. And then Noah, who takes it into the ark with him, and as they come and gives it to his children, so it propagates the world again. That promise is found here as Simeon is holding Jesus in his hand, and he blesses God. Now, I see, that's the heart. Now, you and I may have a hard time comprehending that because we look back. We, we accept it as a fact. Our hope now is in Christ's coming, not for salvation, but for coming back to, to, to deal with us and to bring us home. So imagine yourself always looking but never really realizing the full promise. Maybe it's the similar, not really, but to the, what's that phrase? Always a bridesmaid, never the bride. Always looking for it. We also see the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, Peter calls it. He's the inspiration. He's the revealer. We see him in Psalms 22, Psalm 69, Isaiah 52 and 53, Daniel chapter 9, Zechariah chapter 12, uh, Zechariah 13. We see where the Holy Spirit, and he comes and he, and he gives evidence that the salvation, the Redeemer is coming as he continually encourages them, don't give up, don't despair. The Savior, the Redeemer is coming. You can imagine those who before who have been going on for thousands of years and continue, the Messiah is going to come, the Messiah is going to come. To see your land devastated, to see your children taken and, and exiled to another land, and you wonder, when is he going to come? Maybe despair is setting out, setting in. We have to realize these prophecies, the good news, was inspired by the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit. They were authoritative and accurate. They were not inventions or imaginations. But see here on the monitor, look at 2 Peter chapter 1. We'll see this sometime in the future here, where it says no prophecy of Scripture came from someone's own interpretation. It was not from the mind and the imagination of the prophets or the kings and the poets. 
No, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is sent and proceeded from Jesus the Word. The Holy Spirit work is to teach only about Christ. And we clearly see his work on the day of Pentecost after Christ ascended into heaven. For Jesus told his disciples in Acts chapter 1, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, they were all together, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and it divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each and every one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Jesus is also speaking of the Holy Spirit to the disciples in John chapter 16, where he promises, and when he comes, speaking of the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, he will convict because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, he will convict because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Peter says we are privileged because the gospel comes through the prophets and through the Holy Spirit. And now we are recipients of that. We see it in Christ in his sufferings. They looked in Luke, O foolish ones, Jesus said, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? We see many of them did not understand at the time of Christ that he would suffer. The disciples struggled with that. But he says this was written by the prophets. He says, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them in all of scriptures, the things concerning themselves. So even then, when they're searching and inquiring and examining scriptures, many times they just could not fully understand. The same way in Luke chapter 24. Jesus says, I'm going to teach you all the things that were written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. We see that even though the disciples or Christ is preaching and teaching, the disciples are privileged to now to finally understand that which the prophets were writing. We see the gospel also comes to us through the apostles, the evangelists, and even ordinary Christians. For we see Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Christ for in this day, he says, that I had help that comes from God. And he says, I testify that which Christ has given to us. And lastly, we see as First Peter also says, the things in which angels long to look. We understand that angels are heavenly servants of God who were used to encourage, to protect, and reveal the word of God to the patriarchs and the prophets. In our scripture reading earlier of Ra- that Landon ro- uh, read, The writer of Hebrew tells us that angels are ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit eternal life or salvation. In writing that the salvation is one of the things in which the angels long to look, we have to remember also that angels did not receive the grace of God. John Piper writes this concerning this passage. He says this does not mean that they want to but can't. It means they want to because, in a sense, they are outside the drama of sin and redemption. They never sinned. We're speaking of the angels in heaven, not those who rebelled before time. And they love to watch the great work of God's salvation unfold in history 
and in the lives of saints. They were the spectators and those used by God to bring the gospel to us. Peter's point is this. If angels get excited about our salvation, how much more should we? If angels love to look at the work of God in saving sinners like us, how much more should we who are the very beneficiaries of that salvation, not just onlookers, look to look into and be thankful for it and say with Peter, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You and I conclude can conclude then that the prophets served us, not themselves, as Peter said. They understood with the passing of time that they would not see in their lifetime the Messiah. Time and days would go by, years would go by, but yet the Messiah was not there. But you and I are privileged to receive what they so desired to see. Like Simeon, we have seen the coming of the Messiah and the salvation of the Lord. We too should search and inquire diligently and carefully the promises of God. There is still more to come. Our future salvation will be finally consummated when Christ comes again. What we're seeing here is Peter is saying, listen, considering this salvation, you are privileged. This should motivate you to a life full of joy as you consider the great salvation, the mercies of God. The third question I must ask is how should that affect the way that we interact with God? How should this great privilege of being beneficiaries of salvation on our covenant community in the world, how should that privilege affect us? And I would answer, this privilege should cause us to glorify God and to give us strength to live a joy-filled life. Even in a world filled with suffering and that is hostile to our faith. And as with all privilege, there comes responsibility. Peter is going to spend the rest of his letter detailing the responsibility of the believer. But I'd like to leave you with three of them today as we go on. The responsibility, if you and I are privileged, then that comes with responsibility. We stand at a time that is so different that our lives should be motivated and should be a challenge to a higher level. The responsibility of the privilege. The first one is that you and I should express gratitude. Our lives should be marked with a heart full of gratitude. Hebrews chapter 10 says, But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but we're of those who have faith and preserve their soul. In a famous passage of Scripture that you know, Hebrews 11 verse 1, the writer says, Now faith is assurance of things hoped for. It's the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their condemnation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. How does this fill us with gratitude? But as privileged people who have received the word of God, who now have the Holy Spirit reside in us, our hearts have now been made alive and we have spiritual eyes that have been opened to the glorious reality of who God is and our call is to live by faith. We are no longer sinners, but saints called to live out a life of worship and service through loving God and loving our neighbors. No longer are we rebellious children of disobedience or considered rebellious children of disobedience, but adopted children and joint heirs with Christ. 
We are no longer objects of God's wrath, but objects of his love and mercy. And one day we will be with him for eternity. Let me ask you, have you considered that even this morning? That great salvation? Have you taken time to consider how great it is to be one of God's privileged children? Living in a day when the benefits and the Holy Spirit is now there for ours. That we've been called, that we've been chosen, and that we've been empowered by the Holy Spirit. David in Psalm 96 says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless His name. Tell of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations and His marvelous work among the peoples. Have you done that this week? Or has your work, work day and your life been marked by grumbling and complaining about your life and about this and about that? Have you spent time thinking of all the things you do not have rather than counting the blessings? David goes on, for great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. A heart full of gratitude, understanding that we've been privileged to receive God's great salvation by his great mercy should call our hearts or cause our hearts to be overfilled with gratitude. And I have to tell you, sometimes we joke about this as pastors but if I could just have a giant mirror just to reflect sometimes your disposition of your face, it would surprise you. Is that joy showing? Does someone have to ask you how you're doing or is it showing in not only in your face but in your eyes and in your heart and in your actions and your movements? Are you truly grateful for what God has done? The second thing we need all to recognize that our responsibility is that we should be encouraged. A Christian should not face discouragement as the world does. You and I must understand if God was faithful to those that he gave his word who did not see it, if God was faithful to them, so much more will he be faithful to you and I. We are as included as the children of promise. He has promised to turn our mourning into dancing to protect and to guard us, to heal all of our pains and to prepare us a place. Hebrews chapter 11 says, all these, those commended to their faith, speaking about those who went to, who martyred for their death and those who came before us. He said they did not receive what was promised since God provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. In other words, they are now made mature and perfect because of our belief. But he says, considered him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. If you ever think how difficult and tough your life is, consider the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the creator of all things, who left heaven to walk and live as a man. And lived with the hostility of disobedient, rebellious children who hated him and sought to kill him and to snuff him out. Do not grow weary or disheartened. Philippians, we should be encouraged. For Paul says, I'm sure of this, he who began a good work in you will bring it to the completion at the day of Christ. 
So Christian, I would say the privilege, the responsibility of your privilege of receiving such a great salvation that was written and promised from some time ago, now that we are living and residing in that, that has now made us a new creation, a new creature, we should live a life of encouragement. Again, it should flow through us. It should be something that is seen as we walk down the road. It should be the axe, so to speak, that we spray on ourselves that allows others to say, wow, look at that aroma. There's something about them that is so different than others. A heart full of gratitude and a life full of encouragement. Then thirdly, the third responsibility of those that have privilege is that we should be faithful. Hebrews chapter 12, again a portion of scripture that many of you are very familiar with. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance that is race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. Paul, in his letters, inform us that it is required of stewards, as you and I are, to be found faithful You and I should long to hear the words of Jesus who will say, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, and I will will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. You ought to memorize that verse. You need to take it and let it marinate in your heart and your soul. Let me hear the words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. We, you and I, are called to be faithful. Now, Peter is going to take that and we're going to see what it means to be faithful. But those of us who are privileged to have the benefits of salvation today, we need to be faithful. Let us follow the footsteps of those who are faithful. Those who saw it from afar, who saw the shadows, but still remain faithful, ready to give their lives for that which was not fully seen in their lifetime. Mindful that others are watching us and that you and I can be an encouragement to them. Here's the conclusion. This is where I want to bring it in. I want you to just pay attention if you would. For believers are blessed to live in a time in which the predictions of the prophets have come to pass. Jesus told the disciples in Matthew 13, here on the screen as you look at this verse, Jesus said to his disciples, Blessed are your eyes, for they see and your ears they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. You and I have a life of privilege. We have privilege to live a life in which we've seen and heard through the Holy Spirit, what God has done. We live in a salvation that has been accomplished, a salvation that has been guaranteed. Praise God that He has called you and I to live a life full of joy due to the wonderful mercies of His salvation. I'll ask with every head bowed, uh, bowed and every head, clo- every head bowed and every eye closed, as the worship team comes up, I would like to speak to you believers for just a moment. I'd like to challenge you as we respond to what this Holy Spirit, where it's time for us to pause, to consider God's word,
to pray and respond what the Holy Spirit has for you. I don't know what it may be. I don't know how he wants to apply it. But let me share this encouragement. The believers do not neglect such a great salvation. Join with Moses who sung, The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God and I will praise Him. My Father's God, I will exalt Him. Rest firmly in the privilege of salvation, not in pride, but in humility, knowing that we are saved by grace and not works. Share that privilege with others, for you and I are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, we are a fragrance from death to death, but to others, we're a fragrance from life, fragrance from life to life. If you're here today and you have submitted to the Lordship of Christ, you have repented of your sin and turned to face Christ, then you are one of the privileged few, those who are called and those who are chosen, empowered to live a life of gratitude, of joy, of encouragement, and in faithfulness. If you're here this morning and you're a believer, but you're struggling, that encouragement, that joy, that gratitude, that living faithful is becoming difficult, and you find yourself maybe mired in whatever trial and trouble and temptation that you're in. Do not succumb to those issues, to those troubles. Do not let the difficulties of this life rob you of the joy in Christ. Pray with the psalmist who writes, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation. Find the encouragement, the, consider the great salvation that God has given. And to those of you who may be unbelievers, you've never heard this message before, this type of message. Maybe you're still dealing with it. You could feel the Holy Spirit knocking at your door. Or maybe you're just struggling to understand the things of God. Let me share with you that you too can receive this wonderful mercy of God. He calls you today to repent and to believe. Would you come and trust in God who does not disappoint or falter? Would you please call out to God the Father for faith to see His wondrous work of Christ and for the Holy Spirit to open your eyes to the gift of salvation? Let me say to you with a plea that Scripture promises that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Would you do so this morning? Randy will be here a little bit later and, and Dustin after the service. Would you come to them and share with them, I want to know how to be a follower of Christ. For Scripture says, let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires to take the water of life without price it is yours. Would you pray that God would call you? We hope you have enjoyed this week's Walking in Faith podcast. We encourage you to share this podcast with others in order to help spread God's message to all those in need. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Email us at walkinginfaith at orangevilla.org. You can help us spread this podcast by writing a review at iTunes. And don't forget to visit us online at orangevilla.org. There you will find more information about our ministry, as well as share your thoughts, submit prayer requests, and find out how you can help others to grow in God's love. Until next week, may God bless you in everything you do.